I'm Brandon, I'm your Minister of Worship, and every now and then they let me get up here and talk, so uh, it's quite rare. There we are, hello. Uh, so if uh, you like what you hear, uh, then I work here, you're in luck, you can always talk to me, and if you don't like what you hear, well you're in luck because I'm not the one usually speaking. So. <laughs> Um, but I'm very excited to talk to you all tonight um, and tune in to what God has to say to us. But before we begin, uh, I'm going to pray for us. So do what you do when you pray. Dear God, thank you for this day. Thank you for your immense blessings and provision and for letting us know that you're always in control and that things don't have to be perfect. But what matters most is that our hearts are tuned to you. And so I pray that tonight uh, that we can be focused on your word and your truth and your guidance. Open our hearts and ears uh, to hear your word um, and help us to take it with us as we leave this place. We love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. So this year we have been looking at the Gospel of Matthew, which is one of the four accounts of Jesus' life and ministry on earth, to talk about this idea of the kingdom of heaven and what that is, and how we experience it. If you've been joining us so far this semester, you know that Jesus talks about heaven not just as a far-off destination in the future that we have often been taught, but rather it's also something that is to be lived in and experienced right now in the present. We derive this from the very first words of Jesus' public ministry, so imagine, so Jesus gets baptized, he goes into the wilderness by himself, he comes back, and the first thing that he tells anybody who will listen is, the kingdom of heaven has arrived. That's a pretty crazy thing uh, for Jesus to say if you think about it, because remember, Jesus is living in Roman Palestine, where the kingdom in charge is Rome, and also, just like, so my girlfriend asked me the other day, she was like, how often do you think about the Roman Empire? <laughs> and I was, I was like, it's part of my job, so like all the time. <laughs> but so if you don't know your Roman history, suffice it to say that Rome has a nasty habit of squishing people who claim to challenge its power. And yet, Jesus boldly proclaims, hey, I know those Romans squish people, but they don't matter. What matters is my kingdom. My kingdom is one where people don't get squished, and everybody is loved and taken care of. And it's here, right now, because I'm here. And that applies to our world today as well. And it's crazy to think, but it's true. The kingdom of heaven arrived with Jesus, and it's still with us in this moment. And it's in the little moments where we see God's presence in the world. And as citizens of that kingdom, we have the ability and the responsibility to help others see it too. So the kingdom of heaven is massive in a lot of senses. It encompasses all of creation. But it began with a very small thing. It began with the life and ministry of Jesus. And we could go even further back and say that it began with Jesus' baptism. Or we might even say his birth. Or if we want to get really trippy, we can say it began with the creation of the universe. You know, like, such a small thing. <laughs> My point is, is that big things begin with small moments. Little opportunities where something with great potential presents itself, and at the tiniest spark, it blossoms into something huge. 
And that's what we're going to talk about tonight. We're going to look at an example that Jesus uses to explain this point to us. See, Jesus was a great teacher. He used images and metaphors that the people of his time understood to help them see what he was trying to say. So this is a parable that many of us might be tangentially familiar with, uh, but often it gets overlooked because of how short it is. But I think we're going to see that it has great implications for our lives today. So this is what is known as the parable of the mustard seed. So here, Jesus is trying to explain what the kingdom of heaven is like. So let's give it a listen. From the good news. He put before them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed that somebody took and sowed in his field. It is the smallest of all seeds, but when it has grown, it is the greatest of shrubs and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. So the point that Jesus is making here is that the kingdom of heaven starts off small, and then it grows into something really big. So here's a picture of how big a mustard seed is. Super tiny, right? I, like, I'm not like a plant person, so I don't know if like, it is truly like the smallest seed ever, but like, Jesus speaks in hyperbole all the time. It's fine. It's fine. Super tiny. You get it. But then you plant it, and it grows into a really big tree like that. Pretty cool, right? It's like a little tiny seed. What's the thing that the genie says in Aladdin? Phenomenal cosmic power, AB living space. Yeah, that kind of like Jesus. Hmm. Wow. Big things come from little things. And I think this is something that we can all wrap our heads around, right? It's like we, we can get behind that. And here's the cool thing about the teachings of Jesus is that they work on lots of different levels. Because this metaphor points to the life of Jesus, you know, that Jesus is born. He's phenomenal cosmic power to be a living space, right? But then, like, this incredible thing of the kingdom of heaven arriving begins with his life. But it also points to the growth of the church. Because, again, we have Jesus, and he's got his 12 friends, and it's like, okay, like, we're just hanging out all together. But then that becomes the church that we have today, where the good news has spread throughout the known world. Like, that's incredible. But it also points to ways in which we live our lives in the present moment as well. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. And as we've established already, we encounter the kingdom of heaven every day. It's all over the place, but it's tiny. We have to look for it. It might be an opportunity to show kindness to someone, It might be the recognition of the beauty of nature. It might be acknowledging God's provision in something. It might be an invitation to share in community with others. These are all little mustard seeds, and they all have the incredible capacity to grow into something big and amazing. So Donnie likes to frequently uh, give us questions to reflect on, and so I want to pose this one to you. What mustard seeds are in front of me today? Now, I know that might sound like a silly question, especially like in comparison to the ones Donnie asks us. But if we start to pay attention to the people or things in front of us that have the potential to grow God's kingdom, maybe we'll take more chances to act on them. So how do we cultivate these mustard seeds? 
How do we get those little opportunities to grow into something life-changing? The answer is we have to say yes to cultivating them. A seed isn't any good sitting in the palm of our hand. We have to make the resolution to put it in the ground and to water it and to give it the effort it deserves to grow into what it's meant to be. And similarly, when God presents us with an opportunity to build his kingdom, we have to say yes to taking it on. The word yes is powerful. And when we say yes to God, it can lead to incredible things. Now, I want to make some clarifying statements before we move on, so please hear me in this next little bit. Hear me for, like, all of my talk. That's <laughs> ideal. But, like, please, like, pay attention to what I'm about to say. <clears throat> what I'm talking about here is saying yes to the things that God puts on our hearts to do. I am not giving you license to say yes to every little thing that comes our way, right? <laughs> All right? We have to use good judgment. So we remember a couple of weeks ago, Donnie talked about this, that uh, using our common sense, best judgment, it's a good thing. There is such a thing as good judgment, and we should use it. It's a gift. <laughs> we know that there are things that we should and shouldn't do, Right? We know that as Christians and as college students that we have priorities that require us to say no to things. And I want to bear this in mind as well that for some of us in our past, we have been forced to say yes when we wanted to say no to things. And no is a powerful word as well. And we are allowed to stand firm when we say no to something. So please hear that. It is okay to say no. All right? But what I'm getting at with all of this is that when God puts something in front of us and nudges us towards something to do, it's in our best interest to say yes to it. Because if God puts it in front of us, it's going to lead to something really good. I'll give you an example. <laughs> so uh, a lot of our older folks might know this story. So I moved to Athens in the fall of 2017 after I had finished my undergrad, and I was all on my own. I moved here completely on a whim. I had no reason to move here other than the fact that I thought the city was cool. <laughs> like, it came, I came down to, I was either going to move here to Asheville or to Minneapolis. And I was like, I like the B-52s. <laughs> Athens it is. <laughs> it, it was really stupid of me to move here. I had no money. I did not have a job lined up. I got like the worst apartment that I could find in town. Um, and I didn't know anybody here. But shortly after I moved here, my girlfriend at the time started attending CCF, which was fine by me, but I didn't want anything to do with it. Um, at the time, I was totally against the idea of being part of a Christian community. I did not like Christians because I thought that they were judgmental and fake, and I had never really had good experiences in church before. So my girlfriend would go, to dinner and a message, and I would go to pick her up, and I'd wait in the car in the parking lot. And I'd sit out there, and I'd hear all the commotion from inside the house, and I'd think, man, I'm so glad I'm not a part of that. <laughs> but one day, my girlfriend invited me to come with her, 
And of course, I was hesitant at first. I'd say, no, they, they don't want me there. They don't want to hang out with an old man like me. And granted, I was saying this at 22. So if you're wondering, yes, I have always been a grumpy old man. <laughs> but against my better judgment, I decided to go. And I hated it. It was loud. It was overwhelming. I felt weird about all this Christian-y stuff that was going on. And people kept talking to me. I was like, ah, I don't even know you. Get away. <laughs> but as I got to talking with people, I started to relax a little bit. And I met a few people who liked the same music that I did. And later that night, I went to cookout with them. <laughs> Woo, cookout. <laughs> And as time went on, I started to see those folks around more often. Uh, I would come to events here at the house when I could, and people would see me at work and say hello to me, even though like, I didn't recognize them. That's a weird trip. It's like, hey, Brandon. I'm like, hi, person I don't know. <laughs> but overall, they seemed like cool people, and CCF seemed like more of a place that I could find some friends. And then in February, uh, my girlfriend and I broke up. Um, my substance abuse got to be too much for her, and we parted ways, and if you want to ask questions to me later, we can talk about that. Um, but it was really difficult because she was my only person here in Athens, and I had royally screwed up. And um, on the off chance she ever hears this, I hope she knows just how incredibly sorry I am for the person I was back then. And I hope that she can forgive me. Um, but I was in a bad place. And so on top of all the heavy drinking that I was already doing, I decided to drink even heavier. Woo. No, not woo, not woo. <laughs> <laughs> but right around that time, uh, CCF was going on its winter retreat uh, where the senior leaders would be sharing their life stories and someone invited me to come along. And I figured I have nothing left to lose. So at the very last minute, I decided to come along. And like when I say last minute, I mean it. It was so last minute. I showed up to the house like two minutes before I was supposed to leave. I had my sunglasses on and my Gatorade and nothing else because I was hungover. <laughs> and it was very cold that weekend. But that weekend was life-changing for me because I heard people talk about how God walked with them through their most difficult moments in life. And more often than not, those stories included people that I was sitting right next to who were walking with them. And I saw, too, afterwards, how everyone hugged and loved on those speakers and talked about how proud they were of them, and they celebrated together. And suddenly it clicked for me the importance of what I was seeing. What I was seeing was the mustard tree in full flourishing because a bunch of people made the decision to join a community centered on God who made the decision to radically love one another free of judgment, who made the decision to be silly and have fun because that's just as important as the heavy stuff because we worship a God of fun. All of those little decisions of saying yes to what God wants for us created something really incredible. And it had an impact on me to the point where I work here now and my life is devoted to serving God and telling college students the good news of his love for them. That's you. And my own journey in ministry began with a simple yes to agreeing to come here in the first place. 
and many years after that, the decision to keep coming back, even though it was new and different and weird at first, the decision to go on retreat, the decision to allow myself to see what good God was doing in the lives of people around me, the tiny mustard seed of an invitation had now turned into a life dedicated to serving God. And that's my story. But each of your lives have seeds in them too. Maybe it's the moment that you see someone journeying through homelessness and you realize you have some cash in your wallet. Or maybe it's helping a classmate who's struggling with a subject that you know a lot about. Maybe it's getting plugged into a leadership team here. Um, if you're interested in serving in a particular way, come talk to us about it. It might be cool. It might be something that turns out you're really good at. And maybe it's an opportunity to serve in the mission field. We have our representatives from Mountaintop tonight. Go talk to them. Go learn a little bit more about what they do. It's not a commitment just to talk to them. You, know, you might learn more and say, like, oh, that's something that I'm really interested in. Go check them out. They seem like great people. Absolutely. Maybe it's taking a class that interests you, even if it doesn't pertain to your major. That's how I became a religion major, because originally I did theater. <laughs> but then I took religion classes, and I was like, ooh, that's cool. <laughs> You'd think it'd be the other way around, but God works in mysterious ways. So how do we better see what opportunities are from God, and how do we act on them? Those are big questions, right? Because it's like, oh no, what if I don't make the right decision? Or what if I make a mistake and everything goes wrong? Or what if I miss an opportunity from God and then God's going to be mad at me and I'm going to disappoint people? Oh no! Relax. Let's address each of those. <laughs> so first off, and I will tell you this until you believe it, God is not mad at you, ever. There is nothing you can do to make God love you any less than he ever has. All right? We all make mistakes sometimes. We all miss opportunities to love people to the best of our ability. We all have trepidation of saying yes to what God wants us to do sometimes. It's okay. God doesn't expect us to get it right every time. And here's the thing that I've learned just with being old is that, yeah, like there are certain opportunities that we call like once in a lifetime, right? And we can choose to act on them or we might not to. That doesn't mean that there aren't going to be more opportunities. There are lots of mustard seeds in this world, right? So if you miss one, it's okay. Find another one. So don't stress it too bad. God's not mad at you. God loves you immensely. And second, that sentiment applies to the staff of CCF as well. And I want you all to know that as well. I feel like sometimes, like, as somebody who is recently new on staff, it's like, I feel like we have this like feeling sometimes that's like we have these like 10 individuals who are in a position of power or authority. That feels weird to say. <laughs> and we're like, oh, like these people are like super special and like we should like try not to like make them mad or disappoint them. And it's like, you're not gonna disappoint us. You don't make us mad. We love you guys. And we're here to help you, to support you. The thing that staff wants more than anything is for you to go close, is to grow closer to God. And that means we're not here to judge where you are in your walk or that you're going to disappoint us if something doesn't work. We don't care about that. The thing we want from you is to try your best to follow Jesus as closely as you can. 
which means we're here to help you. So if you have questions about something or you need help, we got your back. It's what we're here to do. So long story short, don't be afraid of us. We're pretty cool. I think so. <laughs> so getting back to the subject at hand. How do we know if something is from God? That's a good question, hypothetical audience member. We have to know who God is so that we know what he puts in front of us. God is never going to ask you to do something that is bad for you. God is never going to ask you to stay in an abusive relationship. God is never going to test your faith by asking you to not seek medical treatment for an emergency. And God is never going to tell you to be cruel or hateful to someone. My saying is, if it ain't love, it ain't God. I stand by that. So how do we know more about God? Well, it's simple. You got to read about him. <laughs> the Bible's, let me say this again. The Bible is the good news that God loves us abundantly and walks with us through the highs and lows of our lives. The Bible is good news. But if you're confused about what you read, that's okay. Talk to staff about it. We love what we do. We love talking and asking questions. See my second point of this talk. <laughs> you can also talk to God. Or rather, we can allow God to speak to us in our times of prayers, which means you should pray, right? The, uh, the example that I love to use is from the prophet Samuel. Samuel lays in his bed and he says, speak, for your servant is listening. And God tells him about these incredible things that are about to happen. I do that all the time. I like, I like to go for a walk around the block. I put my music in. I said, speak, God, for your servant is listening. And I have a little chat with God. It's great. You can also seek godly counsel. And so what I mean by that, it's, it's not quite asking for advice. And it's, it's not going to people that you know will tell you what you want to hear. Right? It's talking to people who will tell you what you need to hear. And sometimes that's a little tricky. <laughs> sometimes we don't always like what people have to say. But it's good stuff. And again, I reiterate, come talk to us if you want to. I think we're pretty cool, a little wise. We're here for you. Please hear that as the night goes on. We can also be aware of when God puts something on our hearts. Um, I grew up in the Pentecostal tradition, uh, where we <laughs> got a woo from the one Pentecostal. <laughs> All right. I'm glad you're here. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, I grew up in the Pentecostal tradition, and we talk, it talks a lot about how the Holy Spirit moves us. And I, I think that the Holy Spirit does. I think he does. Um, I call it the tug. It's like, have you ever been driving in your car, and you stop at a light, and you see somebody who's asking for money, and you're like, ah. Oh, I should help them. It's like there's that tug, there's that feeling. Or sometimes we, it's like um, you just know that there's something that you have to do. It's, you can call it intuition if you want. Sometimes that's God tugging on our hearts and telling us we need to do something. And we should listen to that. It's little mustard seeds that God's putting in front of us. Yes. <laughs> um. It is possible to know what comes from God and what doesn't. And what helps with that is having a clear understanding of who God is. So next question. 
What do we do if we do something we think God wants us to do and it doesn't work out? Ah, that's scary. (laughs) That's a fair question. Sometimes things don't go right. We fail sometimes. And sometimes we fail and it's not even our fault. That sucks. And we try to do what we think is right and sometimes it just doesn't work out. So what do we do there? Well, speaking from my own experience, I think we have to bear in mind that we don't always have a clear picture of what God is leading us towards, even though it's immensely frustrating to realize that. But sometimes things don't work out because God has something else in store for us that required us to try and fail at something else. So I'll give you an example. So some folks might know, a couple of years ago, I was living in Atlanta, and I was going to Emory University for seminary. I was on my path towards my PhD because that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to teach college students, and I got to do that for a little while and loved it, and it was great. And so seminary was the next step towards that. And it's like, I feel like of all things, like, you have to be, like, approved by God to go to seminary, right? It's like, I feel like that's like the one thing. It's like, okay, like if God doesn't want me here, God won't let me be here. So I was like, okay, cool. I'm in seminary. It's where God wants me to be. It's great. And it was horrible. It was one of the most difficult periods of my life. It was in the middle of COVID. Uh, My mental health was terrible. I was always stressed about money. I had no community. And I was really unhappy in my program. And my first thought was, what gives, God? You wanted me to be here, so why is it so hard? I do not deny that question at all. Like, it sucked. (laughs) But then, during the second year of my program, a unique opportunity, a mustard seed, presented itself. Because during that time, during my second year in seminary, I had to intern at a church or a ministry of, of some kind. And it was at that time that I was looking around, but like none of the churches I talked to really like interested me, didn't feel like a good fit. But then I remembered there was this ministry in Athens that I really liked. I was like, they need people there. Spoiler alert, it's it's CCF. (laughs) And so I decided to come back and work here. And it was still really hard. (laughs) Because we were still in COVID, and I had to commute from Athens to Atlanta in my 2001 Honda Accord with 200,000 miles on it. (laughs) Funny story, that car was gifted to me by Donnie because, because my original car, the axle of it, broke in half while I was on 400. That was terrible. (laughs) but I am so immensely glad that I came back because in deciding to work here, I realized that I wasn't as passionate about teaching as I thought I was, where my real calling, where I was truly happy, was working in ministry. And so I dropped out of Emory. (laughs) Ashton, I'm so glad you're supportive of me and my decisions. (laughs) I dropped out of Emory, and it was the hardest thing for me to realize that that's what I had to do. 
that I was so unhappy, and I saw that I would not be successful in trying to make it work. And so I decided to make ministry my full-time career. It's been amazing. I love what I do. I am shocked at the fact that part of my job, I get paid to play board games with you guys. <laughs> now, granted, I do a lot more than that, but like, that's part of what I get paid to do. And here's the thing. And please, again, like, tune in if you haven't had the chance to yet. God didn't trick me by telling me to go to Emory only to have me drop out. And God didn't punish me for something by making me suffer at Emory. He used my experiences there to teach me how to become a better minister. See, it was struggling to make rent that taught me to rely on God for provision. It was having no money that made me have to make smarter choices on how I spent that money, which means no drugs and alcohol for me. And learning that failure wasn't the end of the world equipped me to be able to say to you now that when you do fail at something, that God will still look after you and make something good out of your failure. And yeah, I learned a few things at seminary. It wasn't a total wash there. You know, it's like learning how to interpret the Bible. That's cool. Learning how to preach. Somewhat. (laughs) We're not always going to know why things turn out the way they do. All we can do is try our best and make good decisions based off of what we know. But the good news is that no matter what we decide to do or where we go, that God always walks with us, and God will do incredible things with us so long as we say yes to him. Because remember, God loves us. God loves you. Right? So, as we finish up tonight, I want us to pay attention to what opportunities God presents to us on a daily basis. Again, we can ask ourselves, What mustard seeds are in front of me today? I'll point some out to you right now. (laughs) If you are even remotely interested in mission work, uh, go talk to the folks at Mountaintop. Might be a good fit for you. Um, Tomorrow, I am hosting a picnic where we're going to sing some worship songs on the North Campus Quad. Come sing worship music with me. Who knows? Other folks might want to join us. Um, After the program tonight, stay for a little while. Hang out. Meet some folks. Your best friend might be sitting next to you. You might not even know it. (laughs) I don't know why that was funny, but cool. Um, If you... Bring it back. Bring it back. I know it was very funny. Thank you. All right. If you are new here, come back next week. Let this place be a community for you. If you are here and you are not a Christian, first off, thank you so much for coming. I hope this isn't too weird for you. But talk to a staff member about what being a Christian might mean. Or if you are interested in baptism, come talk to us about that. We'd love to talk more about it. But that's just stuff right in front of us right now. But as you go out this week, keep your eyes open for mustard seeds. Talk to the person journeying through homelessness and give them something if you can. Acknowledge the presence of UGA's staff and thank them for all that they do. Be brave and talk to someone you haven't talked to before in one of your classes or sit by someone who always sits alone. Show everyone you meet what the love of Jesus looks like, especially those who have been shown too often an incorrect picture of it. And look, I know that taking chances is scary, 
And for many of us, we've been told too often that we have to make the exact right decision, otherwise everything's going to be terrible and everything will be bad forever. That's lies. We might be afraid to talk to someone we don't know well or to dive into a new ministry with people who are way too loud or make career choices that might have implications for our future, but we don't need to be completely sure of what we're doing. Sometimes we have to make choices based on faith and what we know at the moment and who it is that walks with us in every moment. Jesus says, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you will say to the mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. Jesus is saying you don't have to have it all figured out. You don't have to know every little thing and do everything perfectly. Work with what you have and make the tiny step in faith and say yes to the thing that God has in front of you, and he will do something great with it. The disciples didn't know what was in store for them when they decided to follow Jesus. Jesus just said, follow me, and they did. They didn't know how the church was going to spread through the world or that Jesus was going to do the incredible things that he did. And even when they did see him do big things, they didn't always understand what it meant. That's why they didn't always get it right. When Jesus says that the disciples are of little faith, he's not condemning them for that. He's calling them students with great potential, kind of like y'all. And I think too often when we hear Jesus say the disciples have little faith, we read that as him saying that he's disappointed in them or that he's angry with them. What if instead we chose to read it as him saying the disciples are mountain movers in training? It's a sign of encouragement because Jesus knows that they'll get there one day. But right now, they're doing the best they can, and he can work with that. And Jesus can work with anything that we give him. But we have to give it to him. We have to say yes. And each of you has great potential to show the kingdom of heaven here on earth to others. Regardless of how you do it, you have to start asking yourselves, what mustard seeds are in front of me today? And then when you see one, have the courage and the faith to say yes to planting it. Because you never know what amazing tree will sprout from it. And that's where the kingdom of heaven resides on earth. Let's pray. God, in your immense creativity, your immense care and compassion for us, you plant many seeds and you make them known to us just by walking around and seeing them. I pray that for each of us moving forward as we leave this house today, that we would become more aware of what you set in front of us. Give us the discernment to know what is good and what is right and what comes from you. And give us the courage to take those opportunities and to work to do as you would do, to show compassion, to show love, to heal and restore people. And if we do so, we can make the kingdom of heaven much greater on earth. We love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen.